there's still people hiking on the Franconia Ridge, so let's let's uh, say it loud enough that they can hear it while they're hiking today. Um, today's passage or passage comes from Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue, where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, Does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes, so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, If you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored, just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. You guys may be seated. Last week, I talked about how uh, the Holy Spirit acts as a compass and how God's Word acts as a map to help us through our woods, through our life. So, uh, Holy Spirit, we call on you. We thank you so much that you always point to truth. Help us to rightly divide the Word of truth today. Let it not be my words, but it be thy words and the power of the Holy Spirit and the maker of the Pemi uh, wilderness speaking. I don't know about you, but like I, we could just say amen and go home after that kid's sermon, right? Amazing, huh? I love it when, uh, you know, Rock and Chris come. We are so thankful for them. Uh, Skip Schwartz, who started this ministry in the early 90s, his wife uh, was a really good teacher, uh, you know, like uh, Chris is. And uh, she taught the kids here for a really, really long time. And uh, we had that void for a long time. I didn't know what to do, and we kind of tried to forcefully fill it which don't do that, by the way. I've learned my lessons over the years. We tried to forcefully fill it, and it worked for a little bit. Not really. We just got frustrated. And then out of nowhere, this Chris and Rock show up, and they say, hey, uh, do you guys do anything for kids? We'd like to help with kids. I'm like, really? We used to do this thing where we called the kids down, and we hadn't done it in a couple years, and God is just so good. And every time they do, I mean, that was incredible. My wife was reading a book this summer by Paul Tripp, and this is what he said. It was such a relief to our hearts as parents, and I want to pass it on to you. Maybe it will bring you know, some peace and relief to you. He, he said this, stop trying to produce finished products in your children. That's not your job, and it will never work. And if you make it your goal and your aim, you will lose your mind, and you'll probably kill them in the process. Stop it. They're not a finished product. God's Word tells you that. You should look in the mirror and wonder why you thought they'd a finished product anyway. They're related to you. You're not a finished product. Okay? So give yourself some grace. Take a deep breath. Do not be surprised when your kid does something really not smart. They're a broken individual who also needs to be saved by a glorious Savior. And it's their salvation, not yours through them. They're their own human. So I hope to encourage you parents that are here. So... This summer, uh, in my absence, Nathan and Drew uh, walked you guys through, or those that were here, uh, some parables of Jesus. I love it. I love parables. Parables are written, I believe, for me. When Jesus knew he was speaking, I can't understand things like mathematical formulas or deep scientific theory or thought or really deep theology. I do really well, actually, with stories. 
And that's what a parable is. A parable actually means to take something and put it beside something else and compare. It's where the word, you know, uh, comparable comes from. Parable is in that word. And you take something. So what Jesus would do is take a deep truth that had been truth before the foundations of the earth was laid. As, uh, as uh, um, Drew read earlier, before the foundations of the earth were laid, Paul understood that when he wrote the book of Ephesians. So Jesus knew that he was talking to boneheads like me, you know, fishermen and just normal people. And also, Jesus knew that I would be reading these words 2,000 years later. So he's like, oh, man, Marcus is going to be reading this. I've got to make this simple. I gotta make this, and that is a parable. A parable is a story that you can take and put next to a foundational truth about God and about the universe and about you. I love that Jesus does that. I also don't like it that he does it because some of his stories are like, "What? You just talking riddles, weirdo?" You know? Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever read the scriptures, read and gone like, "Jesus, I'm really not sure where you're going with that one," right? Okay? I love our Catholic brothers and sisters. And growing up, I'm sad that my Baptist culture looked down on them for taking the sacraments the way they do. Well, when I read the book of Mark, I can understand where they got that. Right? Jesus said, eat of my, you know, my flesh and drink of my blood. I'm like, Jesus, did you really have to say that? That was going to create an argument that would go on for 3,000 years. Thanks a lot, pal. You know? But Jesus speaks in these, and I just like I said last week, we love these smart devices that say, turn left now, don't we? We love not to think. Jesus is not an individual who gives you something that doesn't require you to make the decision. That's why he gives parables. He, you have to make the decision. So a parable is a story that you are to take and compare it to the foundational truths of who God is, who his son is, and who you are in light of all that. That's not a proverb. A proverb is a sentence. A proverb is a saying. A parable is a story. Proverbs are cool. I don't know about you, but sometimes they are hard for me as well. But I do really well with stories. So here's a story. When you look at one of Jesus' stories, you've got to ask yourself, who is he talking to? When was he talking? Where were they? And what's going on? That, that will help you. So this is back then on a Sunday for us. Them, it was a Saturday. Sabbath is a Saturday for them. For us, it's become a Sunday. That also has created a lot of arguments and confusion, right? What I love about Jesus is Jesus doesn't go into whether you should worship on Saturday or on Sunday. Jesus says, no, no, the Sabbath was made for you. And I am the Lord of the Sabbath, which is cool because he could have just said, ah, that's an Old Testament thing. Don't worry about it. He didn't. He, again, gave you a weird little riddle. The Sabbath was made for you, not for me, and I am the Lord of it. Oh, okay. I was just asking you, should I go to church on Sunday or Saturday? Could you just say which one I should do? No, Jesus doesn't do that. So I love about him. Okay, so he's here on a Saturday. His disciples and him had just walked through a grain of a field of grain. And his disciples kind of felt that rumble, you know, in their stomach that you and I both feel. And, in, and, and they were walking through a, a field of grain. And so what they do, they, they picked off some of the heads of the grain and popped them in. The Pharisees saw that. And they were looking for ways to get Jesus, this new radical way of thinking, you know. I have to apologize right here. I am sorry. 
I am a judgmental individual when you do not do the things of the church. It's not good of me. I don't think I used to until I became a pastor. And you know what made me judgmental? How much time and effort and energy we put into this. And when people don't value it as much as I do, it hurts my feelings. That's if I'm being honest. But it comes out in judgmentalism. That's not cool. What was going on here is the Pharisees were judging the disciples and Jesus for not doing things their way. So I'm sorry that pastors like me have made you feel guilty for not being in church on Sunday. That ain't cool. All they're really saying is, I want you to play by my rules. I want you to value how hard I'm working to make this service possible. And when you don't do it, you hurt my feelings. That's what your pastor's trying to say when you awkwardly meet him in a grocery store and you tell him all these really lame excuses why you weren't there on Sunday, okay? It's okay to just tell him the truth, right? Just do it. Um, but that's what's going on here, right? These pastors of Sunday morning services, these pastors of Saturday services are like, yo, Jesus, you ain't doing that right. That's wrong. And to catch him, Jesus walked over to their church, which I think is kind of cool. He just like, Moses over to their church, and to try to catch him, they're like, oh, sweet. There's a guy with a crippled hand, a, a shriveled hand, right in front. This is going to be great. And they say, hey, can you heal him on the Sabbath? They're hoping he says yes, because then they'll catch him, because he has to work to heal somebody. I love it. Jesus just doesn't go, yeah, you can, you boneheads, which maybe I would have done, which would have missed the teaching opportunity, right? Completely missed the teaching opportunity, both for the guys that are there, for his disciples, and guess what? For me, 2,000 years later, there's so many times I miss teaching opportunities because I'm just not patient. I'm not kind. I'm not loving. Jesus loved the Pharisees. I know that sounds crazy. He loved the disciples. He loved the man, right, with the crippled hand, and he loved you who would hear this on September whatever on the mountainside in New Hampshire. He loves you, and he thought of you when he said this, uh, this little riddle, this little story, this little, this little parable. And he hit him where it hurt, too. He hit him where it hurt. He said, oh, okay. Who of you who had a sheep, if they fell into the well, would not work to get them out on a Sunday, on a Saturday, on the Sabbath? Well, he got them there good, old boys. Why? Because they highly value their sheep. They highly value their sheep. And this is what Jesus is saying. He is saying, do not use the law to justify not doing good. Good is the point of this parable. There are two points. First, it's do good or do right. Second, the human life is extremely valuable. The human life is extremely valuable. And what's so incredible is this is the individual, Jesus Christ, the embodiment of God and man, who's about ready in a few you know, years or months, or I can't really tell you where this is historically written because I'm not that smart, but in a year or two or one or a couple months, he's going to give his life for this man, his actual life for this man. And what Jesus is saying to these pastors, to these Pharisees, Hey, Marcus, the people that you judge are worth way more than your church service, pal. And he's saying to these Pharisees, 
this man in front of your synagogue who you walk by every day and don't pay attention is worth so much more than your sheep. And boy, you better believe those guys take care of their sheep. Let me bring it to 2019. This one's going to sting for a few of you, so buckle up. The human life is worth more than your favorite pet. Let me say that again. The human life is worth way more than your favorite pet. I don't care if your favorite pet is a dog, a cat, a horse, a fish, or if your favorite pet is the NFL, your work, your child, right? Or whatever it is. God is saying, Jesus is saying, the human life, the least of these, this guy with a shriveled hand is worth more. And he's opening our eyes with this parable. We, we see it every day. And I have, gotta be, I have to say I'm sorry because I judge you dog owners. I do. I judge you. I'm sorry. I watch you pick your own dog's poop up every day. Walking around my town with a little sandwich baggie, just waiting for it to happen. And I think, wow, if you were that kind to the person who was bagging your groceries, it would make a difference. If you were that kind to the person that cut you off coming in here to town, it would make a difference. If you were that kind to your next door neighbor, right, it's crazy. We will follow our dog with a bag on, hey, I'll pick it up for you when you do it. It's okay. Just, oh, uh, nice job, Fido. Good job, Fido. Yeah, I'll pick it up. Or the grace we give our dogs, right? Oh, Fido, you knocked over mommy's coffee. Oh, that's cute, Fido. When have you ever said that to your kid? Why did you knock mom's coffee over? Get up there. You don't even know what you're doing. Have you noticed the difference how we treat a human versus what we treat Fido? What are we saying? And I'm just as guilty because dogs to me are just a lot of work. And for me, they just don't give anything back to me. Now, I understand that dogs give a lot back to the people that love them. I get it. I'm just not a dog guy. I like chickens. They're a pet with a product. <laughs> I can handle that, right? I love it when someone said, you know, breakfast. The chicken's only invested, but the pig is fully invested. I love that. I love breakfast. Where was I going? Oh, but I can't judge. You've maybe heard this story if you heard me preach because it was really, it was really uh, convicting to me. One of my kids was maybe two, three years old, and I had worked a big, long day, and I had purchased a ribeye steak the way I liked it. I had spent some big money on this ribeye steak, and I had spent time and effort to do roasted red potatoes and grilled asparagus and grilled this ribeye the way I wanted with crumpled blue cheese on top and sautéed onions and sautéed mushrooms. Uh, I'm getting you hungry, aren't I, right? It, I ru sorry, he said I ruined a perfectly good steak. <laughs> I had this thing the way I liked it, right? And what happened? One of my little kids, who I, I'm sure told them, do not pour that milk by yourself. Let dad help you with that gallon of milk. They tried on their own, and what happened? Milk went everywhere, in my plate, on my lap, on their lap. And what did I do? I yelled at them, and they ran to their room in shame. And what was I confirming in my kid's mind? That dead 12-ounce piece of Angus is worth more than you. That's what I was confirming in their mind. 
And when you treat your dog and you treat your car and you treat your home better than your neighbor, you're confirming to them that my house, my comfort, my plan, my car, my dog is worth more than you. And at that moment, you and I are working for the enemy because we're going against the gospel. We are. It's awful. I loved hearing this story. Loved hearing this story. There was this, uh, this, this, this uncle, this uncle who had a lot of money. And this uncle had just bought a brand new convertible. And it was a nice one. It wasn't one of those chintzy ones that people get that hope that looks like a nice one. Um, it was a real convertible. I don't know what it was, but it was a legit car. And he was having his niece and nephew over. And his sister said to his niece, and they sat him down and said, listen, uncle's car is really, really nice. You better not mess it up. He likes that car. And she got right in their face. Yes, mommy. Yes, mommy. Yes, mommy. Well, her brother overheard it. He felt horrible, like, ah. So you know what he did? Brand new, really nice convertible. He goes, yeah, guys, come on for a ride. They're like, okay. And they like, don't even want to go, right? They're like, all right. And he sees this. He grabs a bottle of Coca-Cola, opens it up, and dumps it all over the back seat. He goes, I love you more than this car. Get in, let's go for a ride. Well, he got a little carried away. You know, having fun. And what happened when he got carried away? And what did his niece do? She puked all over the dashboard. What if that would have happened without him confirming? She would have felt so much shame and just sadness. I love that story. And this is what Jesus is doing here. Now, you're not off the hook for missing church on Sunday. Jesus didn't say, ah, it's okay not to be there and not to be doing things on the Sabbath or not to be doing things in worship. Did you see the point of this? The point of this is good. And good is always for others. So you have my permission. Miss Sunday. God's working on me. Jesus is working on me. Miss it. Don't come to church. You better be doing good. And you better be loving your neighbor. And good is for somebody else. Good is always for somebody else. And if you're missing church because you just don't value it, you value your sleep, you value your family time, you value the NFL, you value better weather, you value beaches, that's okay. Don't lie to your pastor. Stop it. Start telling them, well, you know, well, you know, we were, we were going to get there. and then blah, 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 blah. Just say, ah, we don't really value it anymore. We value other things. I, no one's ever told me that, by the way. They're usually like, well, I really don't understand your sermons, and the parking is way down there. and da, da, blah. Just, it's so bad. just tell me that it's just not worth it. That would make me feel better. I would judge you less. But I'm sorry for judging you. And if you're going to miss church, that's really okay. Do good. Be powered by the Holy Spirit and love others. And I am sorry for being a Pharisee and wanting you to play by my rules, wanting you to like my toys, my thing, and confirming who I am. Jesus loves the human life. He loves it so much he left his comfort and throne in heaven, came to just dirty old earth, took on the form of a man, 
gave his life, rose again, seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father, and he is praying for you and for me by name. He's speaking to the Father on our behalf right now. That's how much he values you. And that's how much he values you, the neighbor that drives you crazy. $20 bill. If I gave it to you, who, who would want this right now? Who would like a $20 bill? My daughter's hand was the first one up. <laughs> and Will, I think yours was second. You know, who, who yeah, all, all the parents are like, ah, but I, you'd like it, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would, right? I, I, I've learned examples like these from, from, from my good friends Chris down here. These, these work, right, these examples. And maybe you've seen this one before, but I saw it for the first time, and I thought it was really good. What if I, um, what if I crumple it all up? I've just crumpled it all up. Anybody, wants, anybody still want this? My, my daughter's hands first. Anyone still want this $20 bill? You still, really? After, I just crumpled it all up, Patty. It's all wrinkly and crumpled. Do you still want it? What if I go like this? Put it in the dirt now, Hattie. It's got this, like, bark and mulch on it. Who still wants this? My kids. This guy does. <laughs> Why? This still has value. You might feel like life has crumpled you up. You might feel like life has thrown you in the dirt. And it might be your fault. It might not be your fault. Sometimes that's just how life is. You might feel not valuable. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. You all still wanted this. Why? Because you know it's value. Even if I ripped it in half. You've seen so many people pay with stuff with tape dollar bills, haven't you? Right? Why? Because it's valuable. You are too. You are valuable. So valuable. So valuable that Christ would shed his blood. That was the only thing that would pay for you. And he chose it. Willingly chose it. You're valuable. Let me read these things over you. And then, you know, worship team, if you guys want to go down there, I'm going to read this over you guys. I want you to look. I want you to look at the beautiful view here. And I want you to hear these words. These words are from Romans 5, 8, and 9, and first, from 1 first Peter 1, 18 through 19. And I want you to understand your value. Romans 5, 8 through 9. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we were made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. And 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver or with loss which would lose their value. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb. You are valuable. We're going to end singing How Great Thou Art. Just stand and sing.